evening. Let's pray together before we start. Father, this mystery of the resurrection, such a mystery even to us now, even though we know that you've been resurrected, this, uh, this whole story is one of wonder. How do we apply that wonder into our lives? My hope is tonight, Lord, that we would learn something more about application, something more about how you really uh, uh, have clear purpose and direction for our life, and that we would know that and see that. And I pray, Lord, as we uh, share this journey uh, for this next short period, that we would know more of your love for us, that you would be anchored in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, it's great to be here. It's great to be at this sermon tonight, this final talk. And uh, I'd like to focus a little bit on one thing. And it's about anchors. Where do we put our anchors? Do you know where your anchor is? Uh, As you see, I've got some abseiling stuff. And we're going to do a small demonstration. We were going to upsell down from the ceiling. But apparently it's very, very dirty up there. I didn't want to get my nice flowery shirt dirty. So I decided not to do that. But I'd like to start with a story. You've probably been reading about the M1 motorway uh, last week, and there was a fire under it. Did you see that? Did you see that? And this eccentric prankster uh, realised that the motorway was closed. And I don't know if you saw a picture of him. He got his ironing board out. Did you see it? He got his ironing board out on the on the opposite, you know, as if the traffic had been coming. And he faced as if the traffic was there. And he started ironing his shirt. And the press couldn't believe it. There was this bloke on the M1. He'd sneaked up and gone down in the middle lane and started ironing his shirt. (laughs) Completely bonkers. He could have done anything. And this dad of two, Jason Blair, said he borrowed the ironing board from his mum for a joke. Uh, Mr. Blair, an actor from Mill Hill, said, I was a bit nervous. I faced the direction the traffic would come in case. But I just wanted a touch of irony to cheer things up. Jesus was someone that often did bizarre things in public. He was, he was quite a bizarre person. I mean, he, he wasn't the normal, you know, you didn't meet Jesus and ha- think, I know exactly what he's going to do next. That wasn't the kind of person he was. You would meet Jesus and think, what is he going to do next? I think he's the most exciting person you could ever be around. But the most amazing thing is, he is still the most exciting person we can be around. He was out of the ordinary. He took your breath away. He amazed you. He surprised you. He helped you when you were in despair. He gave you hope when you lacked it. He gave you faith when you wanted more faith. And to others, he would have been bizarre. To others, he would have been electric. And that same Jesus is here tonight. The problem is, many of us sometimes think he's still 2,000 years ago. I go through times when he could be 2,000 years ago. I often say, oh, no, I'm stuck on it. I don't know what to do. And someone says, why don't you pray? Oh, I never thought of that. That's a good idea. This morning I was talking about the day that death died. The minute Jesus went to the cross shed his blood and was resurrected. There was hope for all mankind. There was hope for mankind because we could have a relationship 
with our Creator. But we need not fear death. We need not fear dying. Uh, in my three years here, I remember one time I was sitting at, uh, in the hospital on Christmas Eve, quite late at night, with someone that was dying. Someone that was dying. A great person. And uh, I went to see him. And all his family saw me. Oh, the priest is here. They said, they all went out the room, left, locked, locked the door, and I was just standing with this guy. I thought, well, what should I say? And he said, will you read me a psalm? Read me Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 talks about Jesus being with you in the valley of death. Meaning there's hope. But Jesus is with you when you think your dreams have died. Because when it says that death has died this morning, I was talking about, it's not just death that Jesus says don't worry about now anymore. It's, you might have dreams that you've died to. Oh, that'll never happen. But Jesus says anything is possible because I'm alive. Anything is possible. Don't discount your dreams. Don't discount all the failures. Don't discount when people say things to you. Don't believe that, that, that you can never be anything. Every one of you can make a significant difference for the kingdom of God. We are raised up with Christ. We need to believe that. I also spoke about how we are given new life when Jesus comes when Jesus rose. We become new people. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. You've heard it so many times. You need to be born again. The Spirit of God comes on the spirit of a human being. Like a man and a woman come together, a baby can be birthed. When God comes on a human being, the Spirit of God is birthed in that person. It's a miracle. It's a mystery. You can't explain it. But it is a fact. And I say... When that happens, you become a new person. The old person goes away. Something significant happens. A supernatural exchange that only God has the authority to do. The Spirit of God comes to live in the shell, the heart, the spirit of a human being. The Spirit of God joins with the spirit of a human being. They become one. You become a new person. The Bible says it's born again. People have run away from that term. But it's such an important term for those that follow Jesus. And then, we look the same on the outside, but our mannerisms are are different. People say, I haven't seen you for five years. What's happened to you? You say, I've become a Christian. I've become a follower of Jesus. You look so different. You've got so much hope. Look at your face. You have peace. I know it because they said it to me. We are different when we're in union with God. We know in our scripture reading tonight that Jesus rose from the dead. He had the same body because the Bible tells us he ate with his disciples. God resurrected Jesus by his power. And when we come to Christ, we too are resurrected. And you'll see where I'm going with this. Because the question I want to ask you, the question I want to leave with you at St. Paul's, is do you know you're resurrected? And if you do know it, do you live a resurrected life? Because if you don't, you need to. Because if you want to live the promises that Jesus has for you, every single one of you, me included, you need to live the resurrected life. You need to rise up with Jesus. Die to self. Rise up with Jesus. Are we fully raised? Are you totally embracing the new life? 
Or is the old person, the old man, the old woman still present? You see, if the promises of Jesus are to believe, life can be incredible. Despite the struggles. Despite, despite the heartache. Despite the brokenness. Despite the ups and downs. Life can be incredible. But it only comes in a resurrected life. Things will not affect you the way they used to. Is all of you risen? Is your heart risen? Is your soul risen? Are your dreams risen? Are your hopes and fears? Because if you put a loaf of bread in and one half is risen and one isn't, when you take it out, it's very clear. It's very clear. And some people say, I wish I had faith like that person. I say, are you fully risen? Have you really embraced the Christian life? Because some of us, I think, can live defeated lives. We know in Christ we have eternal life. We know that we can come boldly to the Father where we could never even talk with him because of Jesus. We know we won't be punished for our wrongdoings because of Jesus. We know we don't have to fear dying. We know that we have help from the Holy Spirit every moment, every second. Every time we ask, he's there for every decision we face in our life. We should live resurrected lives. Not partially, with one leg in the old and one leg in the new. Just in case it goes wrong, I can go back to the old stuff. The chocolate eclairs in Tesco's. It's made me feel good. The nagging and the cynicism, the complaining, the eating. Because every time you do something for Jesus, I promise you, the old man or the old woman will be there. And they'll say, why are you doing that? This is easier. Why are you doing that? This is more comfortable. You know this. Don't step out. We want comfort. But do you really want to live with the old man or woman dragging you behind? Because it's like carrying a bin bag full of rubbish and tying it to your waist and walking, carrying it. Jesus says, I came to give you new life. I came to set you free. You must be resurrected and risen with me. But we so easily turn to other things to find comfort, don't we? And we get disappointed with God. And it's because we were disappointed. Because we live with disappointment that Jesus came. Maybe we expect God to do things he won't do. You see, he won't take away others' free will. He won't say to someone, I will control them. The whole gift that God gives us is free will. Sin always disappoints and can never satisfy. So my question is, are you disappointed by life? I've had disappointments. Disappointment needs to be broken by the power and the hope of the risen Christ. Easter Sunday is about the risen Christ. Believe it in your heart and know it in your spirit, in your soul. The same power that God used to resurrect Jesus from that tomb is alive and here tonight. To change your life from the old to the new. My point is that if we're not sure of what anchors us in this new life, we may turn to old anchors for reassurance and security. When our faith is anchored in Jesus, we won't be disappointed. 
There will be trials, as I've said. We will face things that will test us, but our faith will be unshakable and unbreakable in Him. Because He never changes. He's constant. He's loving. He's kind. All-knowing. All-present. Timeless. Unmovable. I suggest we really embrace Him as our anchor. So rooted in Him that whatever happens, we will be sad. We will have things that will bring joy and tears. But deep down at the core of your being, you are rooted in a hope so secure that nothing can change that. You won't be swayed by an event. Your inner core, your inner strength will hold true. This is what the Bible says about Jesus being our anchor. Hebrews 6.19 We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So I want to illustrate it like this. And I'd like my volunteers to come and help me. Guys, the guys I spoke to, would you come up? I want Dan to sit here. I was going to have from the roof. Maybe it's a good idea not to go out with a bang and collapse and die or something. So, would you sit here, Dan, for me? Guys, could you two jump up on here? Stan. Yeah. Yeah. Stan, Rich. I picked two of the blokes I know. If I offend them, they won't mind too much. I've sort of got to know these guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this harness on now. <clears throat> here we go. Right, let me just get my mic and put it in here. I'm going to put my harness on. <laughs> right, now what I'd like you two guys to do is I want uh, you to sit on the end of the table, Dan, but not touch the rope. Right, you can face this way if you like, if you want to sort of feel part of the... Sit and face that Yeah, do whatever you like, Dan. Yeah. You're my buddy, I want you to watch. All right. Uh, Rich, I'd like you to pick up the rope for me, please, and I'd like you to pick up the rope in if you can. I'm going to join you on here. Yeah. Not good in leather shoes, this. Right, so I, I'm, I want to tell you a story about when I was in the Marines. And I did my first abseil. Now, you know, abseil in the Marines is quite a dangerous thing. Because what we try and do is, when we're on cliff faces or whatever, we have to get down something very quickly. So one of the jobs we did in Gibraltar was abseil about 260 feet onto boats. And then we went straight into submarines. And then, then we did an attack on a boat. And it's quite exciting. But you've got to know where your anchor is. Good, slink, good, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> it's good. I like it, Got to know where your anchor is. The, the, the most important thing is your anchor points. So only certain qualified men are allowed to set that rope into the ground because hundreds of men will be going down those ropes fast at night. And they have to know that the anchor is secure. The next important thing uh, is not your anchor, is your belay. Now this is called a belay. And the reason that why a belay is important, a belay controls your descent on a back abseil, not a front abseil, I'll talk about that in a minute. On a back abseil, as I go down, I can control my scent with a belay. And the reason why I control my scent with a belay is it uses friction to stop me going fast or slow. So I'm anchored on here, but this is what controls my speed. So this is a belay. Now a belay is really important as well, because your anchor is Jesus. So I want you to think of your belay as your prayer partners and the church and people around you. They are the people that help you when you're going too fast or too slow. 
And then my final thing is my crab, my crab, a carabiner. They call it a crab in climbing. It's a K-R-A-B or carabiner. A carabiner is what links me to my rope. It's not enough to have a belay. That won't hold you. This can hold about three tons. You could hold a car with this. So if I fall, that anchors me to the rope. What's important is if you're, if you're a Christian and Jesus is your anchor, and he is your lifeline. And you're going through life. You have to know you're anchored in him. And you can take risks. You can control with him the speed you go. But you have to be linked to him. If you're not linked, you will fall. You can get hurt. Really important. So fellas, I want you to hold on to me. If I'm just going to take this one, the bottom one. You hold on to the top rope. The bottom one is my rope. So you got to hold me, ready? So I'm just going to let myself off, right? So, now for me to do that, I have to trust my anchors. (laughs) Thanks boys, thank you. Leather shoes aren't good for abseiling. Thanks fellas. So what, what I found out is that when I first did my first abseil, it was, it was, I first I checked the, I checked the anchor, I thought that's okay, I trust the guys putting it in, uh, because they're NLs, mountain leaders, they're specially trained to do that. And then the, the training guy said, what you do is you lean out to him, he said, you lean out off the edge. He said, the hardest step is to lean. So get your weight on the rope here and then inch out, which is what I did. And he said, don't look down. So I didn't. And he said, just step down, step down. And then about halfway, I sort of looked down. I thought, okay. So once I did it, it was an experience. I thought, oh, I want to do it again. And it's like that with Jesus. You try something new. You trust him. And you think, oh, maybe I can't do it. You do it. And it, it's quite refreshing. It works. I'm just going to show you a few slides of marines. So there's, that's a marine on a cliff. And if we do the next one, that's uh, with full kit. That's what we used to do down normally at night. Now, that's a slightly different abseil. That's a, uh, an abseil without a rock. So you're completely reliant on your rope. And your belay controls your speed. And you're attached. I'm using these illustrations because I want us to try and, and sort of, in our mind see that our anchor, if we want to do anything, our anchor has to be Jesus. So, in that first point, we need to be anchored to Christ. Just three things in that. A is for anchor. Make sure your anchors are secure in Jesus. Check and double check that you are secure with him. Make people uh, ask you, say to your prayer partners, how am I? If I'm looking down, ask me how I am. And I'll ask you how you are. Let's watch out for each other. A, B, C of Absalom. A is Frank and B is for belay. The rope comes from the anchor and through your belay you control your speed of descent. Belay refers to a variety of techniques used in climbing so the falling climber does not fall far but also controls his or her descent. We need people to spiritually watch our back and to look out for us. If you don't have a prayer partner, get one. 
You need prayer partners to watch your back. You need a belay partner. I'm saying to the men all the time, get a prayer partner. They come to me with a problem. I say, why are you coming to me? Get a prayer partner. Your prayer partner can watch your back. He knows your journey. He knows your struggles. He knows your hopes and fears. And then, if you've got one, get another one. Have two. Cord of three strands. Can't be broken. And C is for carabiner. The crab carabiner attaches your harness to the belay device. If you're not attached to the rope via your carabiner, you will fall. Make sure you stick close. The anchor will never fail. But if you don't stick close to Jesus, you can fall. Make sure you're attached to him. Spend time with God. Look at the Word. Spend time with your friends. Go to conferences. Read books. Go to uh, sessions of worship. Go to prayer meetings. Try things in the church you haven't done. Go on a spiritual retreat. So our attachment and our fondness and our affection is focused on him. So A, make Jesus your anchor and you'll be secure. B, have a spiritual person watching your back like a prayer partner. And C, make sure you're attached to Jesus and keep close to him. And my second point, only two points, is this. Are we willing to free run? Which is what we call it in the Marines. See, the Marines have another way of getting down a mountain. If you're uh, being fired on and you have to get down a mountain quick... You do think called a rundown, so you, you, you lock on and you get your weapon and you run down the mountain. Now, if you want, you can have your rope and you can control your descent. Or if you're left-handed like me, you can have your weapon and you control your descent. That's one way of doing it. Or another way is if one of the guys is already in the bottom, you have your weapon and you jump straight off face down. And you just run straight down the cliff. But that person has to stop you. And if they don't, you will die. The way they stop you is to pull very, very hard on the rope. So the first way is that you control your own descent. Or the second way is to let go of both arms and run as fast as you can. That's, that's a rundown. That's the South Korean police doing the rundown. One of them, as you see, has got a riot shield. The other ones have got uh, MP5s, which are very high-velocity uh, weapons, and they're running straight down a cliff face, as you can see, and so that on the way down, they're defending themselves. Now, why, why am I doing this? Well, first of all, a rundown is important in the forces, so you can build up trust with one another. You need, to, we do as an exercise, so you rely on the man at the bottom to stop you. We constantly do it all the time, so everyone has to be the anchor man. So you know that at any one time, any one of those men, you can risk your life with them. You can put your life in their hands and you can trust them. The funny thing about a rope down, a run down though, is if you do it with hands free, you won't feel the rope in the beginning. You step into the void. And as you fall forward, you catch the tension. And that is a choice. Is my point. Jesus is our lifeline. Can you fall back on him? Most of us probably could. Are you willing to face forward and run so fast and put all your weight and trust in him? Totally. Everything. And instead of you controlling the speed, let Jesus be the anchor man at the bottom as well. So when you run down, he's the governor. He's doing it all. But let me tell you, it can be 
exhilarating and terrifying at the same time. Jesus controlling the speed is a safe but scary process. Do you trust God to keep you safe from danger? Do you still have controls in your life that says, well God, I'll go at this pace but no faster. And then you come and say, I wish I had changes in my life. I wish. But you're unwilling to let go. Do you want to go faster with God but when it gets scary you put on the brakes? Because when you give God control you won't have all the answers but your joy can be amazing. Your satisfaction can be deep. You will be safe. And the Bible talks about giving everything to Jesus. It says this, Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That means that everything needs to be under Jesus' control. Exciting and scary at the same time. There's an element of handing over in verse 21. Now when I was in Ethiopia, I saw these women walking down the mountain. Can we have a picture of them, Owen? Here they are. I took that picture on the mountain top in Addis Ababa. These women walk up the mountain for about six or seven miles. Uh, by the way, their shoes are horrific. I mean, they just, they're falling off their feet. They walk up, they pick up this wood. It takes them about three or four hours. They put rope harnesses on and they walk all the way back down the mountain and they make 30p for that. And they do it every day. So one of the guys said, "Ah, let me try it on. And he could barely pick it up. And they do it every day. And I was moved when I saw them because they were smiling. They didn't complain for their 30p a day. The problem is it does affect deforestation as well. And the, uh, the charity I was out there with Compassion, there's many, many of the great Christian charities, but they were also, as well as educating children, talking about how they could invest in pl- replanting areas that these folks are, are teaching the children and giving them money to plant trees because they realise that these people, it's hard to get them to plant trees when they've got no money. They will just want to chop wood down. So it's about, first of all, educating people and then investing in them and and then once they do that, helping them get jobs so that they won't have to feel they've got to chop trees down. So I saw these women up on this mountain and I saw them walking down with their therapy in their terrible shoes with thirst and heat and they suffer and struggle for miles and miles. They get little money but they do it for one reason because they hope at the bottom there's a prize. They suffer for a prize. The prize may be a small one, but to them it's worth it. But we have a prize at the end of our journey in the risen Christ that is so incredible, so mind-blowing. It makes all the suffering we face in life not as large as it might feel. Our prize at the end of life the Bible tells us is indescribable. Yes, things can be difficult. Yes, there are struggles. But we're called to suffer with Jesus for the pains and hurts of the world. But get this, we shouldn't be burdened by them. We're not called to be burdened by them. We give them to Jesus. And he takes them 
on him and we act and speak on his behalf. We live with our eyes set up on this throne in heaven. Can we have this next slide? And the next one, please. So that's how it is. So we live with a perspective that we're on earth, but actually Jesus is our anchor in heaven. He's our lifeline. And I missed that one thing there. I should have put the Holy Spirit with us on earth, guiding and helping us. We have one one eye on heaven. Then we can live fulfilled lives, fruitful and faithful lives. So, just to finish, what's, what's going on in your life at the moment? Is your real anchor in heaven? Is he a lifeline or have you got other things that comfort you and give you joy? Are you resurrected? Do you feel fully attached to Jesus? Do you feel as though you wish Jesus was your anchor? For some it might be that you long for Jesus to have more control, but you are paralysed by fear. Maybe you can't even imagine what it would be like to give God full control. Maybe you don't believe that God, uh, giving God control would really be thrilling and exciting. But I want to encourage you that whatever circumstance you're in, God can help you reach your potential. If you want to know Jesus as your anchor, you just need to ask him. You just need to say, Lord, I don't want to be partially resurrected. I want to be fully resurrected. And I'd like to pray for you for that tonight. Because I promise you, God has so much more for you. Why? The Bible tells us. And there's nothing wrong with saying to God, I'm sorry if I've done things wrong. Help me trust you. Help me do things your way. Help me know you're a safe anchor. I just want to finish with a little story. He placed one scoop of clay upon another until a form lay lifeless on the ground. All the garden's inhabitants paused to witness this event. The hawks hovered, the giraffes stretched, the trees bowed down, and the butterflies and the birds settled on petals and leaves and watched. You will love me, nature, God said, because I made you that way. You will demonstrate my love for the world. Why? Because I made you that way. You will obey me, universe and stars. Because you were designed so to do. You will reflect my glory. The sky, you will reflect my glory. Because this glory, because this is how I've created you. But this one here, this one will be like me. This one will be different. This one will be able to choose. There was a gasp. All was silent as the creator reached into himself and removed something yet unseen, a seed. It's choice, he said. The seed of choice. Creation stood in silence and gazed upon this lifeless uh, person on the ground. Then an angel spoke. But but what if he... God said, Ah, What if he chooses not to love? The creator finished. Come, I'll show you. Unbound by today, God and the angel walked in the realm of tomorrow. There, see the fruit of the seed of choice, both the sweet and the bitter. The angel gasped at what he saw. Spontaneous love, voluntary devotion, chosen tenderness. Never had the angel seen anything like it. He felt the love of the Adams. He heard the joy of Eve and her daughters. 
He saw the food and the burden shared, the kindness, the generosity. He absorbed all of it and marveled at the warmth. Heaven has never seen such beauty, my Lord, he said. Truly, this is your greatest creation. <laughs> said the creator, but you've seen only the sweet. Now witness the bitter. A stench enveloped the pair and the angel turned in horror and proclaimed, What is it? The creator spoke only one word. Selfishness, he said. The angels stood speechless as they passed through centuries of repugnance. Never had they seen such filth, rotten hearts, wars, ruptured promises, forgotten loyalties, cruelty, children of the creation wandering blindly in lonely labyrinths. This is the result of choice? The angel asked. Yes. But they'll forget you. Yes. They will reject you, Lord. Yes. And they'll never come back. Some will. Some won't. Most won't, in fact. But what will it take to make them listen? The Creator walked on in time, further and further into the future, until he stood by a tree. A tree that would be fashioned into a cradle. And even then he could smell the hay that would surround him. With another step into the future, he paused before another tree. It stood alone, a stubborn ruler on a bald hill. The the trunk was thick and the wood was strong. Soon it would be cut, soon it would be trimmed, and soon it would be mounted on the stony brow of another hill. And soon he would be hung on it. He felt the wood rub against his back. Will you go down there? The angel asked. I will. Is there no other way? There is not. Would it be easy not to plant the seed? Wouldn't it be easy not to give the choice? It would. The creator spoke slowly. But to remove the choice is to remove the love. He looked around the hill and foresaw a scene. The figures hung on three crosses. Arms spread. Heads fallen forward. They moaned with the wind. Men clad in soldiers' garb sat on the ground near the trio. They played games in the dirt and laughed. Men clad in religion stood off to one side. They smiled with arrogant cockiness. They had protected God, they thought, by killing his false one. Women clad huddled at the foot of the hill speechless. Faces with tears streaked down, eyes downward. One put her arm around another and tried to lead her away, but she wouldn't leave. I will stay, she said softly. I will stay and face this. And all heaven stood to fight. All nature rose to rescue. All eternity poised to protect. But the creator on the cross gave no command. It must be done, he said, and withdrew. And as he stepped in time, he heard the cry, would someday scream, that he would someday scream, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wrenched at tomorrow's agony. The angel said it would be less painful, and the creator said, but it would not be love. He stepped into the garden again. The maker looked earnestly at the clay creation. A monsoon of love welled up within him. He had died for that creation before he'd even made him. God's form bent over the sculptured face and breathed into him. Dust stirred on the lips of the new one. The chest rose, cracking the red mud. The cheeks fleshened. A finger moved. An eye opened. But more incredible than the moving of the flesh was the staring of the human spirit. Those who could see the unseen gasped. Perhaps it was the wind that said it for her first. Perhaps the star saw that moment in what had made it blink ever since. And the angel said, it looks like well, it, it looks like him. The angel wasn't speaking of the face, the features of the body. 
he was speaking of the soul. It's eternal, gasped another. Within man God had placed a divine seed of himself, a seed of choice. The God of might had created earth's mightiest, and the one had chosen the one had chosen to love, had created that could love or not love in return. Now it's your choice. What will you do with this incredible gift from God for the rest of your life? Let's stand together. Father, every day we face choices. We face choices to trust you with our whole lives. Let's not play at this. Let's live a risen life. And if we don't do it, will you show us how? Will you teach us how to find real joy, real release from those things that bother and hold us back? Help us be resurrected with Christ. Let not the old man or woman hold us back, but let's live in freedom with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We remain standing. We're going to worship again. Uh, During the singing of our first worship song, we're going to take an offering, but this is a celebration, a little time of worship. We celebrate the goodness of our Heavenly Father amongst us. So let's uh, give generously and celebrate together.